0: Hi you guys, this is uh, Dr. Aneen Suresh back with another podcast. Uh, First of all, let me apologize for uh, delaying this particular session because uh, I've been busy working on uh, my private practice coming into existence. So, as promised, um, we'll be delving into the gingiva. Now, the chapter of gingiva can basically be divided into three sessions one where we understand the macroscopic view two where we understand the microscopic view and three where we tie it all up together to understand clinically what the relevance of the gingiva is so in this particular session we will be understanding the macroscopic view of the gingiva so let's get started So before we start up with uh, what the gingiva actually is, we need to understand something related to the oral mucosa. Now traditionally the oral mucosa has been divided into three categories. The lining mucosa, specialized mucosa and masticatory mucosa. The lining mucosa is about uh, 60% of the total mucosa and it is loosely bound to the adjacent structures by connective tissue which is rich in elastin therefore lining mucosa is related to elastin where is this located the floor of the mouth the underside of the tongue the alveolar mucosa cheeks lips and soft palate the important thing we have to understand is that it does not function during mastication therefore We have to understand that this lining mucosa is non-keratinized, soft and pliable. Specialized mucosa makes up about 15% of the total oral mucosa and it covers the dorsal surface of the tongue and it comprises of cornified epithelial papillae. The final one is the masticatory mucosa which bears the load of mastication it is a load-bearing mucosa which is therefore usually keratinized and it constitutes about 25 percent of the total oral mucosa and forms what we are interested in the gingiva which is comprised of the free attached and the interdental gingiva and also covers the hard palate therefore Gingiva is that portion of the oral mucosa which covers the tooth-bearing part of the alveolar bone and the cervical necks of the teeth. According to textbooks, it is typically coral pink in color, but the color can vary depending on the physiological pigmentation of races. we have understood that the gingiva is basically masticatory mucosa which in turn means that it's a load bearing mucosa let us look at the anatomic classification of said gingiva it can be anatomically divided into three marginal attached and interdental to understand this i want you to take a piece of paper and a pencil and i want you to draw an m like how we draw hills in uh, a scenery right? I want you to draw an M and from the middle of the M I want you to draw a line going downwards right? it should look somewhat like an umbrella right now now what I want you to do is in between that space where the M is there on top I want you to make the surface of a tooth so if you look at it now on either side the tooth is flanked by gingiva is in between the dental areas therefore this is why it is called the interdental gingiva now below this interdental gingiva i want you to draw a line approximately um, dividing it into half it is not exactly half but let's for representation's sake do this the top half of the line that goes downwards will be your marginal gingiva and the bottom part will be your attached gingiva right so let's look at it in detail Anatomic classification 3, you have the marginal gingiva, attached gingiva, and interdental gingiva. Marginal gingiva, it is basically an unattached gingiva that is formed on the coronal border of the gingiva which surrounds the tooth, but it is not adherent to it. It is therefore also called unattached gingiva or free gingiva. In normal periodontal tissues, it it approximately extends about two millimeters coronal to the fixed landmark of the tooth, which is the cemento enamel junction. Right now, if you take a periodontal probe and and insert it into a healthy individual's gingiva, you will notice that you will get approximate reading of two to three millimeters. This is called the gingival sulcus. Now the base of the sulcus has an external representation this external representation of the gingival sulcus is formed as a groove which can be seen dividing the gingiva into marginal and attached this particular groove is called the free gingival groove now that we have understood this let's look at the gingival sulcus the gingival sulcus is the shallow space between the marginal gingiva and the external tooth surface. Okay, So the inner po- portion of the gingiva sulcus will be the enamel cementum or the part of it depending on the attachment that takes place. The outer will be the sulcular epithelium and the base of it will be the coronal margin of the attached tissues ideal sulcus depth will be less than two to three millimeters and this is a very important indicator of the periodontal status the inflammations that occur which alter the base of the sulcus will be due to plaque accumulation which will lead to the conversion of this normal sulcus into a pathological pocket at this point sulcus depth will be transformed into pocket depth. Therefore, the definition of a pocket would be the pathological deepening of the natural gingival sulcus. Now, what if we took this and looked at it under a microscope? At this point, we're looking at the histological depth that occurs, which is approximately about 1.8 millimeters. The next portion that we're gonna deal with Will be the attached gingiva. So we will look at that in the next session. Now that we have understood what the marginal gingiva is, we are going to go into the attached gingiva. We have. Uh, If we go back to our original diagram, we will understand with the line diagram that we have seen that the marginal gingiva continuously blends into the attached gingiva and the portion that we have made the division that would be called the free gingival group which is the external manifestation of the underlying sulcus depth in case of health or pocket depth in case of inflammatory diseases. So the attached gingiva will be continuous with the oral epithelium of the marginal gingiva, but it is firmly bound to the underlying periosteum of the alveolar bone. It will extend from the base of the free gingiva where the epithelium of the attached gingiva will merge with the non-epithelial component of the alveolar mucosa therefore if you look at the end of the line the portion where it ends and the white of the paper begins that area that uh, landmark is called the mucogingival junction now the marginal gingiva and the attached gingiva make together the keratinized gingiva what comes below the mucogingival junction will be the non-keratinized gingiva of the alveolar mucosa therefore when we understand this we will understand that the keratinized and the non-keratinized gingiva are are continuous with each other but they are providing forces that are mutually opposite to each other here we have to understand two terms width of attached gingiva and width of keratinized gingiva As the name suggests, width of attached gingiva is the total width of the gingiva that is attached to the underlying periosteum. Basically, the entire length from the free gingival groove to the mucogingival junction. Right? But we understood that marginal gingiva and attached gingiva are both keratinized. Therefore, width of keratinized gingiva or WKG is the sum of the width of the marginal gingiva and the width of the attached gingiva. This concept is quite important. The uh, next thing that we need to understand from the attached gingiva is that the mucogingival junction is a stable landmark which is genetically determined. The attached gingiva according to Enamo in 1996 is that the attached gingiva is stippled and there are small regularly placed depressions which resemble the orange peel appearance. Now this orange peel appearance is a symbol of a healthy gingiva and you have to understand that um, the presence or absence of this stippling is not determinant of the gingival health according to Green in 1982. In different areas of the mouth the width of a gingiva can vary It is usually greatest in the incisal region, which is about 3.5 to 4.5 millimeters in the maxilla and 3.3 to 3.9 millimeters in the mandible. In the posterior areas, it is lesser with the least width in the premolar 1 area, the first premolar area, which is about 1.9 in the maxilla and about 1.8 in the mandible. Now we have to understand something about the width of the attached gingiva. The width of the attached gingiva increases from the primary dentition to the permanent dentition. The anatomic width of the attached gingiva will increase slightly with increasing age because of tooth eruption, which compensates for the occlusal wear. So now we have understood what the interdental gingiva is, what the marginal gingiva is, and what the attached gingiva is uh, before going into the next section which is the biotype let me give you a brief um, structure of the interdental gingiva the interdental gingiva approximately occupies the interproximal spaces and it is associated with the contact areas of the adjoining teeth basically the mesobuccal, mesiolingual, distobuccal or distolingual line angles now in the anterior region they are knife edge in shape Whereas in the posterior region they are conical in shape or blunted. Okay? Now, this blunted area is referred to as a cold. The cold is a depression between the buccal and the lingual papillae which conforms to the interproximal areas. Now, because it represents the area of fusion of the junctional epithelium of two adjacent teeth, it is non-keratinized and therefore more susceptible to damage from plaque and other noxious stimuli when compared with keratinized gingiva. As you see keratinized gingiva is associated with protection therefore if an area is non-keratinized it is obvious to understand that there will be no protection in that area therefore if plaque accumulates in these interdental areas it means that destruction of the cold will happen much faster than the marginal or the attached gingiva which is why you usually see the initiation of gingivitis in these particular areas the final section over here will be about the periodontal biotype in 1969 Oxenbean and Ross described two types of gingival forms, flat forms and highly scalloped forms. They observed that flat gingival anatomy was found in patients having square teeth and highly scalloped gingiva was found in patients with tapered teeth. In 1989 Siebert and Linde gave the term periodontal biotype to describe gingival forms and classified the gingiva into thin scalloped or thick flat currently the term periodontal phenotype has been used interchangeably with the term periodontal biotype periodontal biotype refers to the hereditary thickness of the periodontal tissue normal thin periodontal biotype is found in about 75 percent of the patients whereas thick biotype is found in approximately 25 percent of the people a thick periodontal biotype will display thick and wide gingiva wider teeth and thicker bone. These patients are less likely to have gingival recession but more likely to have uh, bony defects such as intra bony defects or the presence of exostosis. Many methods have been um, used to determine the gingival thickness and this includes needles, transgingival probing, histologic sections, cephalometric radiographs, cbct and conventional histology on cadaver jaws so this is a brief review of what periodontal biotype is have to understand that the oral mucosa is divided into three, lining mucosa, specialized mucosa and masticatory mucosa. Lining mucosa consists about 60% of the total uh, oral mucosa constituents and is found in almost all parts of the uh, oral mucosa except a few which will be said later. It contains elastin. The uh, specialized mucosa is found on the dorsal surface of tongue and has special taste functions. We are more interested in the masticatory mucosa, which is a load bearing mucosa during mastication. Therefore, for protective elements, it is keratinized. Gingiva is one of the parts of this masticatory mucosa. It is found also in the heart palate. Therefore, gingiva is a portion of the oral mucosa which covers the tooth bearing area of the alveolar bone and the cervical neck of the teeth gingiva can be macroscopically divided into the marginal attached and interdental gingiva marginal gingiva is unattached or free gingiva and it surrounds the tooth but is not adherent to it anatomically it extends approximately two millimeters coronal to the cementoenamel junction if you take a periodontal procket and Uh, if you take a periodontal probe and insert it into um, the gingiva you will notice something known as the gingival sulcus which has three surfaces the inner surface which may be the enamel cementum or um, uh, 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 Both of them depending on uh, the junctional epithelium that is present the outer portion will be the circular epithelium and the base of the pocket will be the coronal margin of the attached tissues usually Uh, when you put a probe into the gingiva you will notice that there is about two to three millimeters of normal sulcus depth when there is pathological deepening of this sulcus you will notice the formation of a pocket so when a pocket is formed during gingival inflammation at that point you call it the pocket probing depth now if you take this and observe it under a microscope you will call it the histological probing depth, which is about 1.8 millimeters, when you come to the attached gingiva, it will be continuous with the oral epithelium and firmly bound to the underlying periosteum until it reaches the mucogingival junction, where it is continuous with the non-keratinized alveolar mucosa. The mucogingival junction is a stable mark, a landmark, and it is genetically determined. The attached gingiva is usually stippled which are orange peel in appearance which is the sign of healthy gingiva but it does not determine the presence or absence of disease. The width of the gingiva is greatest in the um, incisor region and the least in the first premolar region. The width of the gingiva will increase from the primary dentition to the secondary dentition and anatomically it will increase slightly with increasing age because of tooth eruption for compensating the occlusal wear interdental ging- uh, gingiva are found in the interproximal spaces. in anterior teeth they are knife edged and in posterior teeth they will be conical the conical portions that are present are called cold the cold is non-keratinized in nature therefore when plaque accumulates over there because it is non-keratinized it is non-protective therefore it will lead to um, uh, loss during noxious stimuli or damage due to plaque Lastly, periodontal biotype, which is uh, given by Oxenbean and, and Ross and named by Siebert and Linde, uh, can be classified into thin scalloped or thick f- flat. The periodontal uh, phenotype is used in modern classifications and is used interchangeably with biotype. Uh, 75% of the people usually pr- have the thin biotype, and 25% have the thick biotype. The thick biotype will are the least likely to undergo recessions but more likely to have intrabony defects during periodontitis or have exostosis. Now that we have understood the anatomic classification of the gingiva, we will go on to the microscopic features of the gingiva in the next podcast. I hope to see you guys very soon uh, until and unless duty calls. So cheers and I'll see you in the next podcast. Bye!